This is Michigan Soccer Central, your podcast and the source for all things Michigan soccer here in the Great Lakes State. Another great show this week. As usual, we've got a fantastic feature interview for you, as we have for many, many weeks. Please check out uh, the feed on Spotify. We've got a lot of awesome content and a lot of wonderful interviews on the podcast so far. We are approaching mid-August, so the club soccer uh, season is fading away, and that high school and college fall is getting fired up, and uh, I believe preparation is already underway. Preseason is kicking off. I saw on the Michigan Soccer Central uh, social media um, they were telling us all about how the uh, Michigan high school season is set up. A maximum of 18 games played between August 18th and October 12th, plus uh, one of those games or two of those games able to be uh, tournaments with uh, multiple games. So just like the summer club season, high school fall, a lot of games in uh, just a very short period of time. Be sure to check on the MSC social media channels as they are fully abuzz with high school and college updates. I believe I saw updates on Oakland University already in preseason. And another element to this time is NISA fall season is fully up and running. And with, you know, the world being as crazy as it is, it's, you know, appreciation for um, pro soccer in the fall, you know, I'm just now growing on it and uh, got to head down to Keyworth for a rare fall game. That might be fun. Uh, DCFC drew over the weekend away uh, versus Cal United Strikers 1-1. One one. They come home this Saturday too. Michigan Stars uh, following their trend a little bit, unfortunately. They lost a late lead to San Diego to drop a 2-1 result. They come home as well, and they will hump or host Stumptown uh, on Saturday afternoon. And before we fully head into this uh, fall season coverage, I wanted to um, use this week to feature another voice and I, I think key perspective of the Michigan soccer scene. Definitely a vantage point um, I haven't heard from just yet. And this name uh, I've heard popped up a lot um, ever since I started uh, uh, covering local soccer to a greater degree. OCFC players uh, mentioned a number of times, and he's been mentioned a number of times on this show just over the summer. So I figured I got to get Aaron Bird, the founder of Next Level Training, on the show. And he's a highly regarded um, or he is the founder of Next Level Training, which is a you know, really highly regarded uh, soccer training company based out of here in Metro Detroit. And uh, Bird began doing his private training sessions uh, following his uh, prolific uh, club uh, career at Vardar and then uh, record-setting uh, career at University of Detroit Mercy and then also prolific indoor and was a career about 13 years ago. And uh, from those original sessions, uh, born the next level training, which now has multiple locations with a staff of five trainers. And uh, they put on camps all across the state this summer. Very, very busy and uh, highly in demand for his technical training. And uh, without further ado, I'll, with that said, by his name popping up, I was really glad to talk to him. And so now here's my conversation with Aaron Bird. Uh, welcome listener, Robert Kerr here with Michigan Soccer Central. So far on the show, we've tried to bring you guys the most uh, varied perspectives of soccer in the Great Lakes State. We've talked to coaches, we've talked to photographers, videographers, commentators, players young and old. But uh, tonight I made a trip out to visit uh, Aaron Bird at uh, Next Level Training to get the perspective of one of the area's uh, top trainers. Aaron Bird, welcome. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, so we've got you straight off the training pitch. I uh, was able to visit. I caught the end of uh, some younger, I think uh, you said they were like, uh, you are just over 13 year olds. And then I just watched a full session of um, some college age players. So wh who's the typical player that uh, comes to see you at next level training? And um, what is it that you uh, like address? What do the players come to you for? Um, so we, I mean, we, we vary in age. We have, you know, six year olds that are just starting out all the way up to 28, 29, 30 year olds that are still trying to make a career, stay fit, play anything. So we, we've got a very, very wide range of, of age, um, and level, but players come to us, I think for, for various reasons, some of them. Um, for confidence building, some of them to, you know, get extra touches on the ball, some of them to uh, build some technical proficiencies with the ball and their passing, their trapping, their dribbling, their shooting, whatever it may be. And then a lot of our older kids, a lot of our college and pro players come to us for, um, you know, all of those combined with, uh, uh, with the fitness and the the standards, the work, the work expectations and all that stuff. So, you know, players come to us for a variety of reasons, but for the most part, it's to build, you know, a technical base with the ball and their body and then also some confidence. Uh, what I saw tonight, I saw uh, all of those things. And then you really got even to like the, the very much like the granular level of like where the shoulder position was when receiving the ball or where the eyes are, where the, the planting foot is. Do most coaches like at the team get break it down to that small of a level? This is the biggest issue we've had with coaches and club soccer for years and years is I have always viewed what we do as a hand in hand. We are a technical based company that develops players. So when they go into their games and they go into their team environments, they're more comfortable, they're more confident, they're more prepared. I have never looked at club versus what we do as a competition, but it has turned into that the on the on the contrary of that to where, you know, we have a ton of players on the higher levels a lot. And I'm not talking five a week, I'm talking twenty five, thirty five, forty a week that come to us that say our coaches don't want us to come to you or don't tell them what, that we're here or this and that, which which is a shame because no kid should be scared or feared about doing extra work. If it's benefiting you, if you're not skipping your team stuff, if it's not taking away from your team stuff, um, because that is, the, that is the issue. The reason I look at club soccer and us as going hand in hand is coaches have a hard job to teach kids how to play the game. The tactical side of the game, the nuances within the game are very difficult. So if a coach took majority of their practice time to teach what we teach, the kids don't understand how to play. So there's got to be a balance of teaching a kid how to play in the style of play. You can't play a possession style game if your kids can't trap and pass the ball. So when, when coaches allow kids to go out and seek technical training, and they come back to their team better, stronger, more prepared, more comfortable, more confident, that's a win-win. But we're seeing that that's not the case too often, and that's, that's why it's, it's sad because the only people that suffer are the kids because the kids are the ones that should be playing in an environment where they're free, where they're fun, they're confident, they're calm, and they're not, like, you know, scared to make mistakes and scared to get... Um, subbed off or yelled at it should be more you know they're teaching these kids how to play and giving them a little bit of the technical side because they do have a little bit of time to build it into the warm-ups and that but at the end of the day is if these players want more and they're teaching them tactical and we're teaching them technical we work together and that's how it should be and you know there's a lot of high level players that see that and do it but it's not at the the base level where it should be for the nine-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, the 11, 12, 13, to where their coaches are supposed to be the role models for these kids and guiding them on where should I go to be successful? What can I do to get my kid more? And at the end of the day, I think a lot of them look at it as competition more so than 
man, this kid really wants to improve. How can I help him? And that's that's where I think the biggest disconnect is. Okay, so let's step back. So so was this vision and what you're t- teaching and what you just told me about what you're providing now, is was that what you built all this from? Because I didn't introduce you in the fact of like you have multiple uh, locations across uh, Metro Detroit and state and you're doing camps in different cities. So, so what you're doing is in demand, obviously. So is this teaching the what you just talked me through? Is that how this training uh, period of your life all started? So yet yeah, to be to be honest, out of um, you know when my career was kind of on the end, uh, I was working for a home improvement company, making good money for a kid my age, um, and I started doing a couple private lessons on the side, supplemental, just. Four kids here, three kids here, two kids here, one kid private lesson, whatever. And um, I started getting more and more passionate about it as I saw a lot of the kids' results and I saw the relationships I was building with the families and the parents and them talking about how much it was doing for their child, not just from a confidence standpoint but like from a mentorship a love of the game uh you know the work ethic the um, commitment and all that that it was doing and it was giving them confidence in other things in school and talking to friends and that so you know I became more and more passionate about it and four kids grew to eight kids and eight kids grew to 12 and 12 grew to 24 and you know back in 2008 is when I started I was doing private lessons for four kids a week. That was it. I was driving from Ferndale to uh, Macomb County, Shelby Township for one hour a day. And I would drive back and forth one hour a day. And then that grew, like I said, day kids, 12 kids. And now, you know, through that mantra of we don't, my my staff, I do, I do have a staff of five full-time guys who we study. We prepare, we meet weekly, every single week. Um, We break down videos. We make sure that what everybody is teaching is is the same. And, you know, when it comes to body mechanics and, and habits and the way you train and the way the purpose behind what you're doing to train, which I hope you heard a little bit about tonight, is everything has to have a purpose when you're training because if it doesn't, what are we training for, right? So, you know, with my staff, I, I, I am, I am, a hundred percent confident that I would put my guys, my trainers, up against anybody in the country when it comes to what they're capable of, sessions they run, and what we're teaching. Because, like you said, that's what brought it about. Was as soon as I saw the impact we could make in these kids' lives, I wanted to find a staff of people that had the same mindset as I did the same passion the same work ethic the the same excitement and these are guys you know every one of my trainers has never ever ever complained about having to go to work and it's it's awesome I mean we like I said we meet weekly we run training we we train probably 350 days a year as a group and nobody complains I mean, we're on a soccer field. So, like I said, I found like-minded people that love working with kids, that love building that passion and love for the game of soccer, and we all spend a lot of time together. And so you said you spend a lot of time together, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is there like five different locations? Like, so what I saw tonight, is there another one of your guys doing the same sort of sessions at a different place and another guy at a different place? Correct, yep. So, um Sterling Heights, we have two guys there tonight. So two of my trainers are together on the field there. Um, there's a guy in our Lake Orion Oxford facility. Um, and then starting November, we'll have our Bloomfield Hills location open. We'll have a, a person there. So when I say we see each other often, we meet every single Monday at 11 a.m. Every single one, unless it's Christmas Day, 52 weeks out of the year, we get together. We spend two, three hours talking about the week, talking about what's coming up, classes, kids, um, what's working, what's not working. We watch, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of training videos from organizations from all over the country that we break down 
what we love, what we like, what we can incorporate, and also what's not right, what's not proper, what's improper, what would my guys fix if they were watching this, if they were doing this. And, and, we, and we spend that every single Monday. And then, like I said, every, every single day there's two guys at Sterling Heights together. And the guy that's usually either off or is evaluating that night the three of us, like this is like, for example, one of my trainers was going to come up here tonight, but he said he had a major headache. He was going to come up here after training him and I would sit down for an hour and just talk about what, how are the groups tonight? How did this kid do? I noticed last week this kid did this. You know, should we move this kid into a better class so it's a better fit for them developmentally? So, I mean, we're talking. If we're not meeting, um, like if he doesn't come up here, Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, we'll be on the phone together and we'll talk. I mean, it's it's funny because you talk about life as you develop and it's like, man, all these weddings, your best friends, you're standing up in all your high school and college buddies and then 15, 20 years after college, they're like, you don't have time for them. You, it's like the, the, your life gets so crazy. So I, I, I spend 90% of my free time with my trainers. Well, it's good to, 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 to be with like-minded if, if you're truly like living your work like that. So when did it take that turn um, when you were building? Like, so you, so you grew organically. You said you went two, four, eight kids. At what point were you like, I need multiple locations of my own and then I need a staff? Like, when did that make that turn into like a, a full um, time thing? Uh, probably about 2012 when we moved. Um, we we had a lot of kids as we grew um as we grew we had a lot of kids that were traveling from Troy Bloomfield Birmingham Royal Oak that were traveling to 23 and Hayes and a lot of these parents were saying hey we would love if you could move something closer to this side of town and an opportunity arose through a family of a kid we were training out there and a mutual and a mutual family friend they had that had a facility that brought us in there. Um, and that building within three and a half months was at capacity. Within a year, we had to expand that facility to an entire other size field um, that we already had. Um, and then from there, we had a ton of interest from the west side of the state and we opened up a facility in Plymouth. Um, we were in Plymouth about 2000, maybe 13, only a year after Bloomfield opened um, because we had a really good relationships with some of the really, really high-level clubs over here, the Hawks Wolves, the Jags, uh, Northville Rush, all them. We had a really good relationship with them. So we, uh, we opened up over here in Plymouth, and that facility from – 2013 to 2018 was booming it was just too small we we grew out of it and you know the i will say the rent we were paying there was about one sixth of what we're paying here but it was the right decision for our kids right and that's you know one of the best best pieces of, of advice i ever got uh when i started my business was make every decision based on what's best for your athlete and the parents and the revenue and the business will follow because that's at the end of the day it's about the kid for us like it, it's it's about the kid in the relationship and you know you talk about all those kids that you just saw here you got eight college kids that were in this one last week there were 26 i told you the week before that there were 57 college kids here that i had 57 and if you go to every single one of those bios of those kids on their college website, zero of them say next level training. They say the club they played for, they play the high school they played for, and their hometown. Mm -hmm. My name goes nowhere, our company's name goes nowhere, and we're okay with that. That's where, that's where ego is the killer of all things in this game with coaches and stuff like that is the only thing we get is the relationship we build with that kid. They walk out of here knowing I care for them. We care for them and we want the best for them. Because as you see, we battle, we compete. This isn't a come and play and have fun and then it's like everybody goes home and gets a chocolate milk. Like they're, 
ticked off when they lose and it's competitive and we uh we take pride in the environment we built but more importantly the relationships and the relationships with these kids so what would have the the session looked like two weeks ago when you had those large large numbers so kind of the the passing warm-up you saw we would probably extend it we would add a couple more groups and put maybe groups of four or five together and have 10 of them um we would build patterns and incorporate more maybe some agility and fitness stuff in with the ball and then when we play we have this 7v7 we would take what we did was we split that 7v7 field into thirds and we put 18 uh 15 15 um 18 12 12 and they played 6v6 v6 4v4 v4 4v4 v4 and then we came over to our field and with the rest of the group and played whatever it was 4v4 v4 or 5v5 v5 over here so you know we we have never um never had an issue with numbers and not being able to get kids moving and touches and that's i mean i've been doing this 13 years if you'd have given me 57 my first day 13 years ago i probably would have been a little more nervous but 13 years, 57 walk in, and and you know what? The good the good part about the the business is majority of our kids are are long tenured trainees of ours, so they know what to expect. Is the respectful kids? I don't have to ask 57 to stop talking and say, guys, you're not paying attention. I mean, these are 57 college DCFC, OCFC, Michigan Bucks guys that are here that are here because they want to be pros or here because they want to make a difference where they're going. So it's like-minded trainers, but the kids that come here are like-minded saying, I'm going to come and listen. I'm going to work. And they know that if there's one kid here, 57, we can get them moving and we can get them a session that they're going to be like, holy heck, that was hard. I'm tired. I got a ton of touches and it was beneficial. So with your experience of having worked with, uh, um, Michigan soccer uh, players for over, you know, 12, was it 13 years? Um, what's, what's changed? Like, what's different in the, the kids that you see come through from when you started? Um, you know what? I think, I think, I think a big piece of um, what is, what is a little different. I think it's, I think it's a generational thing. And I think it's also, uh, um, world we live in today and the and the difference of um you know the the stuff that's going on in our world is just almost a lack of like free play and creativity and calmness and poise and vision you know i remember when i when i was 12 13 years old my mom and dad i mean we would i would get eight of my buddies we'd walk to a park we'd ride our bike to a park and you'd be there for five hours just playing Right, and we'd play three on three and four on four, and sometimes it led to fights. Sometimes it led to like complaining and arguing, and you're mad at your best friend at 12 years old for three days, and you don't talk. Um, you know, and, and today we live in a different world where it's almost not safe to leave a kid in a park for eight hours or five hours without an adult supervision, which is sad. But you know, a lot of that free play and understanding. I'm playing an environment where a coach isn't constantly telling me what to do. I'm not afraid to make a mistake because there's nobody there to yell at me. So I, I have that freedom to like build some confidence with the ball and what I see and, and being a little more creative. So I, I feel like the biggest thing that I see in a lot of players today is they're almost too structured, too robotic. And it's like we're, they're, they're waiting for somebody to make a decision for them. So, like, almost like a cue, if this thing happens, then I execute B sort of a situation? Yeah, I mean, I mean think about it. Like, if you, if you went and watched a game, you know, I mean, the cues are the same from the time, like, I was growing up and playing and this and that. It's play the way you face. Play simple. Play one and two touch. You know, it's like, okay, well, what if the situation doesn't tell me to do that? What if the situation tells me to play five touch and be creative and beat a player and go to goal or what if the situation doesn't tell me to play the way I face what if it tells me to step over turn and get away so you know I feel like those kids are almost structured into you know when I played at the park 
if I did a step over five times and it worked all five, I'm going, I like this move. Like, I'm good at this one. But if I'm always playing the way I face, I never know when that works. So the one time I try it and it doesn't work and I get yelled at and I'm like, all right, I'm not doing that again because I don't want to get yelled at. Right. So I start to play more in a structured environment than I do a free environment. Yeah, that's an interesting societal question is, uh, is it unsafe for kids to play at the park all by themselves all day or is it just our perception that it's not safe all my day? kid my kids are in i mean and i guess call me a bad parent my kids are outside all day all day i know where they are but i'm not and i'm not constantly i'm not sitting in a lawn chair watching them i mean they're outside playing they're, i want my kids to have that freedom and now we've had long talks with our kids about what to look out for and what's safe and don't do this and be careful of that but my kids, my kids have zero video game consoles. They have no, my kids are outside all day, all day. I don't want my kids inside. I don't. I want them doing what we did growing up because I see how valuable it was to me. Yeah, it's but and it's interesting. I don't know how how do you walk that back? How do we become less structured? Ah. So, do you think that the training well, that you do aids in them being freer? Uh, I, I would think so. I mean, I'm very. I, I give ideas like when you watch I'm like I'm looking for you to do this or when this situation comes up here's how you break it you will never hear me tell a kid not to dribble if they do it three four times and they keep doing it at the wrong time my job is to tell them that's the wrong time but I never want to take the freedom and creativity away from a kid and that's where um, you know that's I, I just heard a story Two days ago, two days ago from one of my college players that was telling me he went back and watched his club team play, and I'm not going to say the name, and I'm not going to say the coach's name, and he said he was standing on the sideline, and one of the kids went to dribble a ball like one-on-one wide, and the guy was telling me, he goes, it was in the final third, he wasn't dribbling in front of his own net, it was in the final third, he looked to take the outside back on, and he lost the ball. And the coach turns and says, that's that Aaron Bird crap. And I'm like, that's the problem, is you're in the middle of a game and that's what you're associating a turnover with. Not, man, this kid had the confidence to try to take somebody on. This kid was looking to beat somebody and serve a ball. Like, that's the, that's the stuff that we deal with that is that makes what we do very difficult because none of these coaches, none of them, not one, will come out and watch what we do. You sat here for two and a half, three hours, three hours. Mm-hmm. How much dribbling around cones did you see? It's all play, move, check two, lay off, turn, get it, touch. They don't ever watch what we do. But when somebody turns a ball over dribbling, they blame it on our program. But they don't come out and watch what we do. And that's where, like I said, the disconnect is. And that's where, you know, that's where... When you talk about a societal thing, if I've been coaching in club soccer for 30 years, let's say I'm coaching for 30 years, like a lot of these people have now, Mm -hmm. why would they listen to me? This, I've been in this technical training for 12 years. What can I learn from him? What am I, what is he going to do? I've been doing this for 30 years. What am I going to learn? And that's, you know, that's the societal thing you talk about with being outside. Now that's the soccer side of it is I will never, ever, ever tell you that I can't learn from somebody. I don't even care if it's a dad that walks in that coaches an AYSO team because in my mind, I'm like, maybe I can take something from it. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but I will never, ever, ever be afraid or never tell you that I can't learn from somebody. So you're doing this day in, uh, day out, like what, six, seven days a week? Seven days a week. So um, is it the love of soccer? Is it the love of kids? Like, what is it that makes you, you know, grind it out? I mean, at some point you have to, like, run low on energy just physically. Like, how, how is it that you, you pop back up and do keep going? It's, I'll tell you right now, I've been – it's so funny because we have – I could give you a list of 15 U.S. national team, MLS – Herman Trophy winners, first team All-Americans that we have worked with that have been here for months and months on end. They don't come in for like three days. They're here for three months, four months in their whole off season. 
or they'll come in for three weeks, leave for two, come back for four. And the same question always comes up, always, always, always comes up. How do you do this every single day? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it, it's the same question. And these kids that are, that are in town right now, like you're up it. I mean, I, I, I would be hard pressed to find nights where I sleep more than five hours, five and a half hours. And the thing that we've, um, that we've understood as a company is we don't, we don't have time to be low on energy. We don't have time to be down. Like these are, these are kids that we want to fall in love with the game. And, and I'm telling you, there's days where, yeah, you're maybe tired, but you see these little 10-year-olds running in with this huge smile on their face and they're like, guess what? I scored a goal last week. And it's like, that's your energy. That's my motivation to like, okay, I got to give these kids something good. And that's, you know, like it, it's maybe not always 100% energy, but there's always 100% purpose behind what I do. And it's like, okay, maybe I'm not jumping off the chairs and clapping and cheerleading like I normally could, but it's telling kids the same things like guys I want you to go fast I want you to work hard I will never cheat a kid and I will never and it's not even cheat a kid it's I have too much pride in myself like I have I have too much standards for how I want to be perceived that I don't ever want to be perceived as that trainer that takes shortcuts or is lazy or sits in a chair all night and tells the kids what to do and and does that like that'll that'll just never be me and um until the day I die and that's that's just who I've built myself as and I don't I don't ever you know my dad you need to slow down you're gonna run yourself to death you need to slow down he's been saying that since 2015 and I'm like well it's eight years now and you know because when I started we weren't as busy but we're seven days a week because we're busy seven days a week like it's a good problem to have right I mean I don't ever want to be like Hey guys, let's drop down to five days a week because we're getting tired. Because then those other two days, kids go somewhere else to where in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, but in my mind, they're not getting the same instruction, same care, same development that they're getting with us. And I, I am more confident with a kid being in our care of what's next because of the preparation we put together as a staff that I want those kids with us because I want them to be the best versions of themselves. So um, you're you're obviously incredibly busy, lots of different locations. Um, I guess where do you go from here? Um, I, I you know what opening Bloomfield is going to be another big uh, another big step. Bloomfield was our largest location for about six years, so bringing it back is going to be hopefully awesome for the community here and gives kids that side of town um, uh, back saving them some drive time and making it easier on the families to get their kids back in and the commute from here I mean I, I have taken a lot of this past year especially with COVID and seasons being shut down I mean we had more pro players in this offseason than we've ever had in our life. I mean, the amount of MLS players, the amount of USL championship ones that were coming from all over the country, Stanford, Florida State, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, more than we've ever had. I mean, they were just, we had, I, was, I, I don't know if I was telling you or somebody, we had three kids that we'd never heard of, three kids that, not kids, three players that came in here, four players that came in to prep for the Olympics in Tokyo. They came here strictly to, they came in from different countries. They came here for two, three weeks, prep for the Olympics, and three of them walked away with medals, right? So it was like these with our program and the reputation we've built and a lot of these players and the, um, the players that come in, they talk, they talk about what we're doing, they talk about how we treat them, what's being taught, this and that. So the program's just grown and it's like you know my mom my mom called me after Canada won the gold medal and she said you better post something those two girls were driving my car while they were here 
for training, they were, had her car. They, my mom lent them their car so they could get to and from training and to the gym and to the field and this and that. I'm like, I said, Mom, I said, you had two Olympic gold medalists driving your car. That's pretty cool. So it's, it's been fun. So for me, well, I guess where, to answer your question, where do you go from here? Just keep building future pros. Keep building players that want to play this game at the highest level possible and keep building um, the relationship with the players so our, our, um, our name continues to get out there. And, you know, I, I, I said to one of my staff, one of my guys has been with me 12 years full time. You know, and I've I've been 14. It'll be September. It'll be 14 years for me. So about a year, year and two months in, he came on full time. And I said to him, I go, with how busy we are, we never sit back and look at holy cow, like look at what we've built. I mean, we've got seven full time employees. We've got five locations across the state. We're running camps all over the state. We got a camp next week up in Petoskey in northern Michigan. We were in East Lansing this whole week. We're out in Washington. We're out in Grand Rapids. We're out there. Like, we're all over. You know, I'm flying out to Colorado to train MLS players for the Rapids. And it's just crazy to think, and we never even think about it. We never sit back and, you know, the last three Herman trophies have been here in the off season to train with us. And it's like we never really sit back and do it. Like, this has just become our daily routine, and we love it. And it's never been a... Um, arrogance thing or an ego thing it's like if you go on our social media it's very rarely you find us posting about our players because it's that's not like in my mind if we had a, if we had a marketing team we'd probably be way better at marketing what we do but you know when it's us we're just on the field and the phone's off the on in the car on the table and we're just we're just working so what would you say you, uh, at this point? It seems like it's organically growing to a wildfire. I mean, that's what brought me here is because I've been like intensely. I moved back from out of state in 16 and then have been like more intensely involved with like the local soccer scene in the last, like I'd say, three years. And uh, your name and your training just like because uh, I've been embedded with Oakland County FC for the last couple of seasons. I keep on just like. You know, at uh, open open tryouts, I you know I hear whispers I'm like, "Oh, I've been training here." And then I drove some players to an away game, and they were talking about coming here. And I asked them to articulate, you know, why is it that everyone's coming to, coming to next level training? And the the word that they could really describe was everything has a purpose. And that, but they couldn't quite articulate it beyond that, uh, as far as like what that what that meant. And I, I think you're 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 showing me you show me I think what they meant by um these things having purpose um i'm like a more of a bigger picture michigan soccer like what uh your business outside your business just soccer talk now with the, the the rise of dcfc and all of the like the summer club teams popping up like what do, has that shown have those teams had an impact on like young kids yet uh, for sure for sure, especially, you know, I, I think, you know, DCFC is obviously, I mean, they're almost nationally known now, right, with the way they've, their crowds and the way they market and the way they do all that. Like, DCFC has done a fantastic job, um, and their captain spent his offseason here. Stephen Carroll, who's a heck of a player and a great, even a greater dude, and same thing, like he was here and he trained with all of our pros and he's doing his rehab here and he's working on his fitness and he's here raising the standard. Like he's a guy that has high standards and he's a competitor and he likes to win and he's fiery, but he's a great human. And I think those types of, you know, and then you look at Oakland County, OCFC, and I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I follow them and I watch the rosters they put out and I'm like, man, they have some super talented players, kids we've trained for a lot of years. And I'm like, that's a great team. And then you look at the Flint city bucks and you're like, Oh my God, there's so much talent around this area of high level players. It's just a, it's a, it's a reassuring feeling knowing that a lot of these high level players are in our program and they're successful at these high levels with these with these good teams. They're they're playing good soccer. They're competing with teams all around the country. And and you know you look at when you talk about the impact. You know Flint City and their championship game last year had 
56, 6,000 people at the game, 5,600, 6,000. DCFC's drawn, what, 7,000 plus every game at our summer camps. Kids are asking, are, are there going to be any DCFC players here? Are there going to be any bucks here? So, like, yeah, it's making an impact on youth kids here um, because they're they're recognizing it and they're associating with it. I don't know that it's correlating to, you know, what I think the biggest misconception is they fall in love with the idea of DCFC because of the crowd, the fans, the playing, but do they truly understand the work that goes in to get there? Because that's what separates is the, is the, the details, the work outside of what goes on in those games and the times and the things those kids did when they were 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 to now be a pro because it doesn't just happen. What do you think's like the the that the age where you, you get real real serious? Um, yeah, I mean we have I we have eleven year olds that are as serious as it gets. I'm talking, they come in locked in, train as proficiently and purposeful as you can, and we have fourteen year olds that come in and goof off and and joke around. I think, you know, I think age isn't the determining factor about kids taking it serious. I think it's more a passion. And I think, you know, it's like when you talk about things that you're passionate about, it's usually things you're good at, right? So if I'm really good at soccer, I'm going to be more passionate about it because it helps with my confidence and I'm better and I'm good at it. So, you know, I don't think it's an age. I think it's more like, man, I'm starting to see results. My friends tell me I'm good. My coach is giving me compliments. I'm going to start getting a little more serious. So you think it, it sometimes comes down to an outside factor? For sure. For sure. And do you think that do you think having that confidence builder is usually like, I guess that's a, that's a tough question, but I guess what could a parent do to be like encouraging without like getting in the way? Or is that like I, I will tell you right answer? now. No, it's it's a great question. It's it's absolutely a great question, and it's a huge, huge part of again society today in the game is. I mean, we work with roughly twelve hundred kids a week. So when you're talking about like you know even the largest of clubs, six hundred kids, we've got about twelve hundred a week. And you can see the ones that the relationship with mom and dad is a fearful one. And you can see the ones to where mom and dad aid and help and do that. And it's sad because I feel like every parent, every parent, the purpose comes from love. But they can't separate hurt and help. Like when I get in the car with my son, I don't tell him what he did wrong. I don't tell him what he could have done better. I don't tell him what he did this because that's not what he wants to hear from me. Like, he wants me to be his support. He wants me to be the guy that gets in the car that he's like, can rely on saying, hey, good job, buddy. Like, do you have fun? Do you work hard? And I can tell him when I think he could have worked harder, but I feel like there's so many parents, and we hear it in our sessions. We hear it in our sessions all the time, you know, a kid will be coming up the sideline and the parent will be like, you're not working hard enough. You're not going fast enough. You're not doing this. And it's like part of their, I don't know if the good word is insecurities or part of their lack of drive and desire comes from mom and dad. Like you're, I, I get in the car and you tell me everything I did wrong or I get in the car, I'm walking down the sideline or I'm dribbling here and you tell me every mistake I made like this is not becoming fun. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the biggest mix up is. So like I, I've had conversations with parents that have asked me, hey, how can I help? I'm like, take your kid out in the backyard and kick him a thousand balls and don't tell him one thing about how to trap it. I've done that. I've told them what they need to do. I've shown them how their body should be. I've shown them what is proper, what is improper. They don't need you teaching them too. Just kick it to them. Be there. Like when, when I was playing baseball, and I loved playing baseball growing up, I was better at baseball than I was at soccer. The amount of times my dad and I played catch in the front yard and he threw me ground balls and this and that, he never told me what I was doing wrong. He never. He just threw me a 1,000 of them a day and we played catch. And I always wanted to do it because it was fun. 
My dad was a baseball guy. He wasn't a soccer guy, so he couldn't really help me with that. He played goalie when I would hit free kicks, but he wasn't telling me, hey, your plant foot's here and you're coming around like this. He didn't know. But there's so many parents that don't know that are trying to help their kids, and by help, they're actually hurting. Yeah, I, I, that's, probably, that's a hard thing to do because I, I have younger children who are just, like, getting into this, this, like, edging into that world. And, it's like, I've seen terrible, you know, I've seen the full spectrum in just, like, my four, first short years uh, coaching the little ones. And it's just, like, at home, I mean, it's hard to, like, keep your mouth shut sometimes if you care. You want, and that is, and it is, and that's what that's what my point was. Is it comes from a place of care. It comes from a place of love, and it's so hard not to want to say something, and it's so hard to do that because you're seeing it. But it's it's a hard piece because when the relationship between mom and dad and the kid goes sour, the game is going to drop because they don't associate it with fun, and they're more more worried about what you're going to say or are they reaching your approval than they are loving what they're doing. The appreciation for the moment is difficult for humans of all ages. And uh, yeah, if your parents are hanging out there, you might not be able to live that, that free <laughs> moment. Like when you're running down the, the side of the field and that's like the fun part, right? Yep. Well, and, uh, and I'll tell you, and I, 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 again, I'm a parent, you're a parent. We have kids all over, and I I have yet to meet a parent that I think maliciously is trying to ruin their kid, right? There's no parent that's maliciously like, I don't want my kid to play soccer, so I'm going to run him out of the sport. That doesn't happen. But if you want to know what's wrong with club soccer, or soccer in general, forget club soccer, any level soccer, go stand on the sideline of a youth game and just listen. It's it's a tr- it's shockingly scary at even the things that are yelled that are so wrong, not even in like a derogatory way, but like a kid will have a ball on the left and they'll kick the ball over the back line down the line and apparently yell great ball and I'm like that's not a good ball like that's you just yelled great ball to a kid that didn't knock a great ball because they kicked it high and far. So now that kid in their mind is like, I knocked a great ball. No, you didn't. That was the wrong decision. So, you know, they're, it's like you said, in the moment of when you see something, it's so hard not to yell. I mean, I watched, I watch, it's like you asked me what my day was. And I mean, I spend hours watching soccer games and I don't like I I watch a lot of Premier League and Bundesliga and La Liga and all that but I spend most of my time watching our kids college games our USL championship kids our MLS kids our youth games now that they're streaming a lot of these like nationals and regionals and I have to mute it because after five minutes of listening to the parents on the stream I'm like I cannot believe that this is going on at this and it's it's it almost makes it to where it's unfun for me to go to the game because I want to talk to the parents and I want to say hi and I want to support their kid. But standing on a sideline for me is very difficult. And again, I know it comes from a place of love, but go to a youth game and watch a game and you'll see a lot of what's wrong with what's going on. Yeah, I've already brushed brushed with some of that. And you wouldn't say that like that, that air on the sidelines doesn't like scream fun like this is not fun time and if they're not yelling at the kid they're yelling at the referee <laughs> right like yeah there's plenty to yell at plenty yeah <laughs> those things aside outside of parenting like uh just like american soccer i feel like at least regionally around here like there's a, a swell of at least grassroots uh attention or interest at a lower level than before um, what you're doing now here, do you think anyone was providing that like when we were young? A hundred percent not to the degree we are because I think I don't there was there was a gentleman that me and a bunch of the players I played with trained with. His name was Rocco. He was absolutely awesome. He's a soccer legend in the area and if any any person that is old enough to know who he is, they will, I mean, the guy was an absolute soccer icon around here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did private lessons with him. And 
I mean, there was maybe eight of us or ten of us. And there was another guy as I started getting into coaching when I was like 18, 19, when I started coaching a little bit, that was doing private lessons for quite a few of the kids in the club. But not to the degree where we're teaching the basics. I mean, you'll you'll see a lot of kids come in, and I had a conversation with a parent today um, of a kid, and I'm like, it's so crazy just, like, the simplistic things that kids cannot do. And Soccer-wise? Soccer-wise. And, and, and I get it. Like, I, I was a player just like every other kid. Like, I want to scrimmage. I want to play the game. The game's fun, right? Like, when I'm on a park with six guys and there's a basketball hoop, I don't want to work on a bounce pass. I don't want to work on the dribble behind my back and through my legs. Like, I see a hoop there. I want to shoot the ball at that hoop. Mm-hmm. And kids walk on a soccer field and they see a goal. And they want to kick the ball as hard as they can at the goal. And, you know, I understand that. And I think part of our success is that we do understand it. But the kids that can't pass and dribble, they get into these environments and it's like, we want to scrimmage. We want to scrimmage. And one of my favorite Kobe Bryant quotes of all time is when somebody asked him why he was the best. He said, you know, I am the best because I never fell out of love with the basics. I loved the basics. And that was the drop step and that was the step back and that was the perfecting the timing of his layup and his jumper and this and that and it's like I understand kids don't love the basics you don't want to work on just passing back and forth it's like I want to there's eight kids here let's scrimmage there's two goals let's play and the, the thing that we try to get these kids to understand is soccer is way more fun when you're the best at it soccer is way more fun when you're really good at it I get it. There's a field. There's goals. There's nets. You want to shoot. We want to play. But if I can make you better, trust me, by the time you're 14, you're going to love this game because all your coaches, all your friends, all your relatives are going to be like, oh, this kid's good. This kid's really, really good. And that's fun when people say that. So (laughs) it's trying to get kids to understand that the basics set you up for long-term success, but they don't. That's the hardest part is getting a kid to fall in love with the basics. And do you think that when when do you think that that love hits, or is that different from everybody? Um, I think when they start to see success, when they start to feel the confidence build, and they're like, "Man, my first time I just did a scissor and beat somebody." Like, okay, this that was fun. Like that was good. Like my coach said, "Great move." My coach said, "Great job," and gave me a high five. Or mom and dad, I got in the car and they were like, "Where did you? That move was awesome. That was unbelievable." And then they're like, yeah, that felt good. Like, I remember my son playing flag football. Like, when he pulled his first flag in flag football, and I was like, that was awesome, buddy. Got it on film and told him. He's like, I want to pull more of those. Like, that was cool. So now he's like a hawk flag. Like, he's trying to pull the flag from everybody. It might even be his own teammate. But he associated the success of, man, that was fun. Before, he would just kind of lollygag and didn't understand the concept until he did it. So I think kids are no different Is Success breeds that confidence and success builds that, like, I like that. I got complimented. I want to do more of that. And it's simplistic. That was a great pass. That was a great first touch. That was a great service. That was a great tackle. Whatever it is, simplistic as can be, kids associate success with confidence. And confidence breeds wanting more of that, right? So I think it triggers with kids when they start to get that and they see it. And it's like, you know, it's like a guy at a job. Well, I'm doing extra work. Me and you are in the same role. And I'm getting there an hour before you and staying an hour later and doing more than you. And it never gets addressed. Nobody ever pulls me aside and says, hey, I notice what you're doing. I see what you're doing and I just want to let you know it's unbelievable. So after four months, five months, when I'm sitting here and I'm never getting appreciated, why do I keep doing it? Mm-hmm. Why would I keep doing more? Why would I keep doing more than you when I'm not getting anything different than you? You have the same pay. You have the same, but you're 10 hours less than me a week. Mm-hmm. So I think kids are no different when you're like, you know, when a kid does something good, you compliment them. Just like if they're doing it wrong, you tell them why they're doing it wrong and you take it away. I'm not a, I am by no means a participation trophy guy. You don't win, you don't get one. No, I, I don't, I don't want to be rewarded for second place. 
But I think a kid can be complimented when they start to see success in their game. Don't give a compliment that's unnecessary. Kid doesn't kick the ball out of bounds and say, that was a great try. No, it's, hey, come on, get your head up, trap the ball, and pass it to your teammate. Kicks it out of bounds three more times. You stop and you say, listen, I just told you to get your head up, trap the ball, find a teammate. You can do this. You're good enough to do it. He does it on the sixth try. That's what I'm talking about. Great job, buddy. Like, that's exactly what you should be doing. Give him a high five. Now he associates what he just did with that's all I need to do. So now I start doing that more frequently, and that's when it becomes fun because you're getting the success and you're getting the results in the basic little things. And that's when I think kids start to grasp it is when they start to see it themselves and get complimented for it. That's awesome. You're making me want to run through a brick wall at the moment. Come on, let's uh, do it. But at this point uh, where you're at as a trainer, um, so so – I guess what gives you that uh, that buzz? So we're talking about that 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 rush that you get if if you've done a, a good play on the field or you know a good compliment from the silence or whatever. So at your point, what what's the thing that gives you that buzz? Getting uh, so I was just telling you the thing that gets me the buzz. Honestly, one thousand percent is one today, one yesterday from two high level, high high level first team All American full national team player uh, and one today that's playing in the ACC text messages from them with the video of the goal their team scored on the pass they make and saying thank you so much it wouldn't be possible without you and the other one was yesterday in the mail I get home and my wife's got a card on there that came in the mail handwritten from a first team all-american saying um Thank you so much for everything you've done. I feel so ready for this season. I am so confident. I'm so comfortable. I can't wait. Like, you're so selfless and all this. Like, that, that is my buzz because that lets me know that what I'm doing is working because not just the performance, because that kid could go into their first game and have an awful game, but that they recognize it. They recognize the time that I put in and the care I have for them because – Again, when you feel special, when you feel like somebody like somebody wants you, when you feel like somebody's in this for you, you feel like you have a support system. And that's my buzz now because at the end of the day, I still play. I still play at a very, very high level. I don't need a guy to tell me good pass. Like I've played this game long enough that when I make a good pass, I know I want to make a bad pass, I'll tell you. Like, I know when I when I mess up and I need that. You can tell me good ball, but it doesn't give me the buzz like getting a note from one of my kids telling me how thankful they are for what we've built and what we do for them. That's the that's my why. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I, I feel like I've, I've learned quite a bit this evening through our conversation. I really appreciate that. Is there... Anything you'd like to share? Is there um, anyone uh, that's that's curious? You want to direct them to uh, any particular spot for to reach you? Um, you know, we we have spots all over the state, so we can touch, we can reach a kid, we can train a kid from almost. Any, I mean, we have kids that drive up from Cleveland, Columbus, from Cincinnati, from Pittsburgh, from five hours into Canada. That's here tonight. Um, Ann Arbor, Dexter, Washington, Port Huron. I mean, we can touch any kid in the state that can come to one of our facilities. Um, they can check us out at our website, which is next-leveltraining.com. Our Instagram is NLT Soccer, and our Facebook is Next Level Training. Um, I, I mean, we we are proud of what we do, and we are proud and prideful of the environment we've created. And I think any family that checked us out and came in um, – would find that the passion is all over in our training and the way we the way we run our stuff. Well, Aaron Bird, founder and trainer at Next Level Training, thank you so much for your time. I really thank you so much it. for having me, Robert. I appreciate it, and I uh, I'm excited that or I'm glad that people like you do these types of things to raise awareness for our state because soccer in this state is a hotbed. I mean, there's so many players, and I think the more we can do to raise awareness is huge. So I love that there's podcasts like this that exist because it's it's good for the people that take the time to listen yeah that's why we're doing it because there's a lot to uh expose people to and i have a lot of learning to do too awesome man well thank you so much thank you
That was awesome. Thank you to Aaron Bird for joining me and spending time with me and uh, going through all that. Thank you to everyone at Michigan Soccer Central for putting this all together. Thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing. Thank you, Dan Katranza, for the music. And big shout-out and congratulations to Jan Voker, the former Oakland County FC media intern. Congratulations. I just saw that he is going to be the voice of Lawrence Tech University's men's and women's soccer this fall. So congratulations to him. All right. That's another one in the books. There's going to be some great stuff uh, college-related next week. So until then, enjoy your soccer. (laughs) 